0: The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison & Steffen, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Grammy award-winning superstar, songwriter, producer, Desmond Child has written hit songs with Aerosmith, Kiss, Bon Jovi, Alice Cooper, Joan Jett, and so many more. His credits include Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer and You Give Love a Bad Name, Aerosmith's Dude Looks Like a Lady and Livin' La Vida Loca for Ricky Martin. Now he's hosting his first ever Desmond Child songwriting fantasy camp. I've got the legend himself on the line right now. Desmond, welcome. Hope all is well there. I think you're in Nashville, right?
1: I'm in Nashville, and I'm coming to Vegas.
0: Nice. When is, to when see is that? Katy
1: Perry. To see Katy Perry. We wrote a song together uh, with Andreas Carlson called "Waking Up in Vegas. I heard that that she does an incredible new, like Rat Pack swing version of the song in her uh, show. So I'm, I'm going there.
0: That is so great, and, and it's um, it, you must be very excited too about the fact that concert venues and everything is just kind of loosening up again, right?
1: Oh my God, yes. I mean, <laughs> it's just been <laughs> so long. You know, did we? Did, you know, I guess we all had to learn. You know, whatever we had to learn through it. I mean, really stressed. Everybody. And um, I'm so happy that we're kind of seeing the light of day now.
0: There have been many rock and roll fantasy camps over the years, but yours is a songwriting fantasy camp, which is such a great idea. Tell me about it.
1: The, the very first. Yeah. And um, it's a four day intensive. So if you know, if you sign up for this thing, whether you have ever written a song before or you're like almost getting ready to break big in show business you're going to get something out of it because we're going to drill down on, on, you know, what makes a hit song. How do you structure a song so that people, you know, will will want to hear it 20 years from now. And so I've always written with, you know, made, made sure that I always wrote with, with the legends like Carole King and Burt Bacharach and, and, uh, my main mentor, um, you know, through all of it was Bob Crew. Wow. Who wrote all the big songs with Bob Gaudio for the four seasons. Right. And, and so, you know, um, you know, every year I'd always write with somebody, Ellie, yeah, I mean, God, uh, you know, Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil, Carol Bayer-Sager. And, um, these people, you know, that had huge, huge hits, won Oscars for their songs and movies. You know, getting in a room with them, there's a, kind of like a, you have to be in the room with them so that you see that that's a real person and, and you can do it too.
0: Desmond, what is the trick to learning how to be a good co-writer? How do you do that when there's two people working on one song?
1: Well, I, I've written with like a room full of people, uh, you know, yeah. and sometimes, you know, songs that I've written you know the producers bring in other people they add samples and so if you look at my latest biggest hit uh called Kings and Queens by Ava Max you'll see like 11 songwriters in me included uh-huh but um you know you know i i never even met most of these people <laughs> you know it's the way it is these days very collaborative but if you want to know exactly what happens like the day i met John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora they were young kids with, you know, teased up mullets yeah. and, uh, you know, ripped, uh, you know, jeans with their knees sticking out of them, and um, we had a chemistry, and we wrote "You Give Love a Bad Name" the very first day.
0: And you, you're in what Richie Sambora's parents' basement working on these songs?
1: That's right. Well, they left me down there like "Silence of the Lambs" for a while. <laughs> well, they, and I'm like oh my God, (laughs) there was like a space heater buzzing amp (laughs) buzzing and a little, you know, keyboard, you know, like teetering on a little Formica table that had been relegated to the basement. And finally, you know, they came down and, um, I just pulled the title out of my back pocket, literally on a piece of paper that said, you give love a bad name. And John looked at me and all of a sudden I saw nothing but teeth. Like the first time I saw that (laughs) billion Dollar Smile, and I said, "Oh my God, this guy's a star. He's got it." And uh, that song we wrote so fast, it just flowed out of us.
0: Was it living? So, on, was it living on a prayer that you and Richie Sambora basically had to lobby John to put on the album because he thought it was maybe a little too sentimental?
1: Yes, exactly. Because the the trajectory for for John with Bon Jovi was to play stadiums. So in his mind, you know, rocking really hard. So he wanted the next album to be like really, you know, aggressive. And Living on a Prayer had like this sentimental kind of moody touch. But uh, Richie and I just knew that the song was special. And so we literally got on our hands and knees, like half joking, half for real, Uh and begged him to like at least cut it and see what would happen and you know with their producer Bruce Fairburn it was magic yeah and anybody that heard that song got goosebumps I, and so you know sometimes an artist you know is has an idea in their mind but they don't always see that the thing that they need is like like right in front of them
0: i remember and correct me if i'm wrong but i think your name uh, you had a song on the warriors soundtrack which was very cool
1: yeah. the plane. Right. I know, it's become a cult film. And um, I wrote the, the the theme song, Last of an Ancient Breed, and performed it with my group, Desmond Child and Rouge. Right. And, uh, you know, it was like one of those crazy things. Whoever knew that that... that creepy movie would last so long and be such a fun favorite
0: it, it was fun and i've interviewed a couple of the of the actors from the film it's it's amazing how it's just continued isn't it? i've I've spoken to james remar about that
1: i actually met somebody whose mom was in it
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> probably grandmother One at this of my part, interns right?
1: at our studio oh yeah my mom was in warriors it's like what
0: <laughs> <laughs> you come from what Cuban and Hungarian uh, immigrants? So, what effect does that have on your songwriting tastes and flavors over the years?
1: I was lucky because my mom was, uh, you know, the Cuban songwriter and poet Elena Casals, and you know when when everybody came over from Cuba. I was born in in, my, in Gainesville, Florida, but all my cousins, and everybody came over during, after the Cuban Revolution. And, you know, we fell on very hard times. We lived in the projects of Liberty City, and um, you know, my mom was struggling to get her songs heard by artists. She she always said, you know, we gotta make it. We gotta make it big with songwriting. This is what we have to do. Uh, and, um, you know, it's like one of those things. It's It's like, I needed to Fulfill her dream in a way, and also make sure that I could take care of her for the rest of her life, which I did. You know, it was like one of those things where I, I just didn't even know that people didn't write songs because everybody we knew were were singing, we're saying poems, we're dancing, we're singing, we're we're doing something, playing an instrument. So it was a cultural thing. So I mean, when I went back to Miami after having you know conquered, you know the international music thing, um, you know, for many years, um, I started getting back into Latin music and going to salsa lessons and getting back to my roots. And that's when I met Ricky Martin. Yeah. And uh, together with our, you know, collaborator Draco Rosa, we we changed the course of, of popular music again what you, well, know, you and love you the loca.
0: a great song and before i let you go cuz we only have a few seconds your music is very specific the ones that go to each artist do you seek out artists and say look i've got something for you
1: no it's always blank page walk into a room meet somebody and you know get them comfortable say some jokes this and that and before you know it they're crying telling me their life story and that's what becomes you know, the material to make the song. That
0: might be something for you to teach in the camp, I guess, right? Right,
1: exactly. Right. Well, get get more... Well, at least I'll, I'll teach people how to be campy. How's
0: that? <laughs> get more info on Desmond and uh, Desmond Child and Friends Songwriting Fantasy Camp. It's going on April 7th through the 10th by visiting rockcamp.com. It was an honor, Desmond, to talk to you. Stay well and uh, have fun here in Vegas.
1: Oh, great. Thank you so much.
0: Did I say legendary? I mean, his credits appear on 80-plus Billboard Top 40 singles spanning six decades and 500 million-plus records sold worldwide. And he's still doing it. That brings us to the end of this musical episode of The Fake Show podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for stopping by. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.